0: Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. This is where the Lord hath led me today. I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 16. A good study is the 316s of Paul. Just, Just read chapter 3 and verse 16 of all of Paul's writings. That's a that's a that's a great study. It'll 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 give you a message right there. And uh, this is where uh, I'm satisfied. The Lord had had me today. I was kind of I was kind of stumbling around a little yesterday afternoon. I told my wife. I said I'm out of gas. I'm I don't I'm not. This this didn't come. And she said you flag this time every year. I start flagging about this time every year. So I'm hoping that. The, We'll get this year behind us And we'll start up on a new year And then I won't be flagging anymore But uh, nobody knows you like your wife Amen And she is my helpmate I'm telling you I, I couldn't do what I do without her I better put some butter on Or some jam on the toast After all of that 2 Timothy Chapter 3 and verse number 16 If you found that Shout Amen All Scripture, all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Father, I love you and I thank you for this day. And for this time and these that have come out to the house of God. And Lord, I can't do this on my own or in myself. I'm wholly dependent on you. It takes the unction of the Holy One, God, to preach the word. What a privilege. What a responsibility. Oh God, I need you. I'm I'm asking, Lord, I... I can't do it on my own, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I pray you'd fill my mouth and guard my tongue, and I'd preach with accuracy inside, outside the bounds of this holy written. And that there'd be hearts here that receive this word today, Lord. There'll be some rejected, but there'll be some receiving. And I know that, Lord. So I'm standing here, and I'm not standing alone. Oh, how I want to thank you for standing with me. So God, speak through me the holy word of God, save lost people, reclaim backsliders, and God set the saint of God on fire, fresh and new, for the glory of my king, I pray in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. I want to preach on this thought, I'm satisfied that what God had had me Title this today. I like to give things a title. They may uh, titles or helps you remember the message. I want to try to preach today on this thought: constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. Now you may you may turn me off right there, real quick. But Dr. Tigpen would say this is a textual message. I'm going to take this particular verse. I'm going to stay right here, I'm going to go all in the Bible, but this verse I'm going to use specifically to share with you the thought, constructive criticism. No one likes to be criticized. If someone's doing the best they can do and you tell them, say, that's not very good, they don't like it. Uh, I could give some illustrations of myself, but I'll spare you today. But no one likes this. But you know what the Bible is full of? Is constructive criticism. We have that in this writing of the Apostle Paul to young Timothy, the preacher. Now, I want to define those two words quickly and you hold on to this, park it in your memory bank. Something constructive is this, it is serving, something serving a useful purpose. If something is constructive, it serves a youthful or a useful purpose. We it is it is purposeful. So and it, it is beneficial. And that's what something constructive is. But also, then something criticism is this. Criticism is an expression of disapproval. So in the word of God, from Genesis 1 1 to Revelation 22 21, we have this. We have Things that, that if we take this word, it shows us, it gives us what we need to be pur- to serve a useful purpose in our life. So many throughout the world today are just going about their business. They're eating, drinking, being married, giving in marriage. They don't know, listen, eat, drink, be married for tomorrow we die with no thought of eternity. No thought of what Christ done on Calvary. Many make a mockery of this book. They think church is just an organized uh, 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 thing uh, in order for preachers to make a lot of money. uh, They ought to join the Free Will Baptist bunch and they'd find out how untrue that is. I'm not throwing off, but there's many of them out there making millions, buying airplanes and whatever. I'm not here. I don't need any more money. I've got everything I need. Godliness with contentment is great gain. But it is this. It is this, my friend. It is something that is useful in our life, serving a useful purpose. Are we constructive in what we're doing in our life? Are we just seeing what we can get and how much we can have? What would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? i tell you what he'd give. He'd give everything he ever had in this world to exchange for a better standing with Christ concerning his soul. Now, criticism, though the Bible, the Bible is full of of words to show us how to serve a useful purpose, but it's also this, it's full of expressions of disapproval. We have a few of them here in this particular passage. Now, Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Familiar scripture. We're not, that's nothing new to the ear of the child of God. You've heard that quoted or preached a, a lot if you've been in church for any length of time. But here in this particular passage, I want to give you, this is, I read this from uh, Warren Weersby, And so I, I just jotted it down. I, I didn't get the scriptures from him, but this thought I did And I want to share it with you. We have that all scripture in this verse. Now, uh, this is not what he said, but uh, I want us to realize something here. All scripture is inspired. People say, where'd you get that Bible and why do you believe that book? I'll tell you why. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Say, why did some... Letters and books make it into the book and some didn't because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It was put together by the hand of God. Peter said it like this in 2 Peter 1. He said, knowing this first, that the prophecy of the old time did not come by the will of man. So the prophecy of old time, it wasn't man's will that this book was written. It was the will of God. It came not by the will of man. But listen, but it came, holy men spake as they was moved by God. So that's how you can have 1,500 years of compilation. Here, put this thing together, 40 different writers Five different continents, I think it is. It might be, uh, I think it's five continents. They're all over the world. They're writing a book. You get me four writers and try to put a piece of literature together and let it have the same meaning, the same theme, and the same one as as the subject, and I'll say that's a miracle. How about 40 writers over 1,500 years? That's why I believe that book. That book's inspired. For what? Well, it's profitable. That means it's beneficial. It's beneficial for these things, these four things. For doctrine. Now, Dr. Wiersbe said, the doctrine refers to what is right. I'll agree with that. It is the teaching or the learning of the Word of God that is our doctrine. They say, what's your doctrine? I'll say the Bible. Say, well, you can't nail it down. They don't want a doctrine. They want a denomination. Someone wants to argue with you. It's not over the doctrine. It's over a denomination and what's on the sign out front. Listen, I'm not going to argue with you over denomination. And I'm going to say my doctrine. If you want to know my doctrine, it's the word of God. It is this. It is this. He He said, we'll know what's right. Well, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We know what's right. I was quoted earlier, there's a way that seems right. But that's not the right way. Righteousness, in that same chapter 14, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Can I say any person? You still with me? The doctrine. It's what is right. Then we have reproof. Reproof is simply what is not right. Now, if you look into the world today, humanism is when men try to exalt themselves to, the, to elevate themselves to the place of God. Well, that's what the devil tried to do. And God kicked him out of heaven, according to the scripture. I believe the book. I believe it's inspired word of God. Say, how can you know this? These things are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm glad by the scripture I know that. And the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. I'm glad I know that today. And because of those things, I believe this book. I believe that its reproof is what is not right. Romans 6, 1, should we, Continue in sin that grace may abound. God forbid, that means no. Whatsoever is not of faith, it is sin, A+. plus. So we're not going there. Look, 1 John 3 and, and about verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. But hold on there. Hold on. For all have sin and come short of the glory of God. But he that committeth. The word committeth there, it means this. It means to continue in sin. The ETH, Brother Raymond Riggs said, put it in fluid drive. In other words, it kept on going. So it's the one that continueth in sin is of the devil. Boy, this is happy preaching today, isn't it? Y'all look like a happy bunch of people. My word, why would you preach something like this today, preacher? You talk to the Lord about it. Don't ask me. Reproof is what is not right. You know not what's not right. Shacking up. Wrong. Men, men living marrying men. Women marrying women. A drunkard. Fathers that don't lead their children in the house of God. Oh, we've got it going now. What is all this? It's reproof. When I was backslid on God, not bringing my family to church like I should have, Delmer would yell in the house when I'd finally show up on dinner day God, get a hold of my today's backslid. Go get him, God. I thought, Delmer, I'm sitting right here. I love Delmer. He didn't sugarcoat it or butter it up. He didn't say, Mike's such a good guy. He's sitting here, oh, he's such a fine fella. He said he's backslid on God. You know, that's reproof. If you're here today and you're backslid on God, you're not doing what's right and you know it. You know if you are or not. How do you know that preacher? Because of being where you at. You know it. Reproof is what is not right. Then correction is how to get right. Now, if you're unsaved, here's how it works. If we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Finish it with me. Thou shalt be a plus. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth, for the scripture saith, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not be ashamed. That's why we encourage coming forward. That's why before I baptize them, I ask them for a statement of faith. I didn't know what Jake was going to say that night. He said, Do I get a microphone? I thought, My word, what's he going to say? Come on, brother. And it was good. Why? Because it was sanctioned with the Holy Ghost. That's why. How'd I get right? Call on the Lord. That's what correction is just calling on the Lord. I used to say in revival services, I'm gonna ask you to call on somebody you've never seen before. And I'm gonna ask him to do something for you you've never had done. And that's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. The evidence there means the proof. It's the proof. Praise God. And I've seen a lot of people come forward and call on all of God that they'd never seen before. And Jake, they believed it in their heart. And when they'd look up, I miss Harv Daly this morning. But when they'd look up, when they'd look up, you can see that, you can see it in them. The understanding that God saved them. Are you still with me? Amen. This is my introduction. My message, Just I, I just got a couple of things in the message. So it's, it's how to get right then, then we have instruction. Instruction is how to stay right. Instruction is how to stay right. Uh, uh, he said it, first, John said it like this in 1 John 1. He said, he said, this is the message we declare unto you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You know why they turn the lights down in the bar room. They don't want to see what's going on. That's why the devil comes out to play. That They used to say, and they're right. There's nothing at one o'clock in the morning that you need to be doing. Amen. Why? Because it's dark at one o'clock in the morning. Unless you live in Alaska. Sometimes it's light there all 24 hours. Know how they live up there. Be bad enough. It's snow and get cold, but I need a little sleeping time and that's what you do in the dark. In him's no darkness at all. For if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And the Bible said all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. That's pretty bad. If I was lying, I'd get right with God and quit doing that. So we we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanseth, continuing, from all sin. Isn't that good? That's good, praise God. That'll make Baptists smile. Glory to God. Cleanseth us from all sin. I've never seen this, Brother Dennis, until this morning. And I'm looking up sin on my little iPad thing there I can pull up all these words bang 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 it's a lot faster than thumbing through the pages I'll just tell you and I look to put in sin and I'm looking for this verse if we confess our sin let me show it to you poke my eye with my glasses that'd be bad now I'm going to read it to you. I'm still breaking in this Bible. If we confess our, it's plural. Now, if we if we say we have no sin, sin. If we say we have no sin, singular. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, plural. That said to me that I not only have sin, I have sins. And he's talking to the saved people right here. Hello. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that is? That's constructive criticism is what that is. That's saying, here, take this. That's not useful. This is useful. And this, I disapprove of this, but I can take what I disapprove of and make you useful. Here's the thing, nobody wants that. Don't criticize me. Get on Tommy. Tommy. Don't tell me how wrong I am. Brother Gordon said it in Sunday school this morning. The man in the mirror is one I got a problem with. You're not my problem. And if I'm your problem, then that tells me you got a problem. And you're the problem. Because if you've got a problem with me, you're supposed to come to me and say, I got a problem with you. And I'll tell you what I'll say. I'll say, I'm sorry, you've got a problem with me. Let's pray about it and get this thing under the blood. That's exactly what I'm gonna do. I had, God got on me to go to a business. God, didn't even wanna tell this. I wish God called every one of you to preach and you had to get up here and do this one time. So God got on, God got mad at me, quit the church, caused me a whole bunch of grief. You know that when the pebble hits the pond, the waves go all to every shore. He got mad at me, quit. And for the life, and my hand to heaven, if God don't, if he is to strike me dead right now, I'll tell you, I was not guilty of what he accused me of. But you hear things in confidence that you're not at liberty to tell other people. You can't do it. Well, you'd like to tell them. They would clean your plate and wipe the chalkboard clean. You young people, they used to be chalkboards in the classroom and they wrote on them and they took an eraser and raced them off just so you know now. God got on me one day and said, you need to go up there and apologize to that guy. And I thought, I don't owe him an apology. That bird caused me all kinds of grief. Caused me not to sleep good. Hurt my feelings. Hurt a bunch of other people around me. I'm driving down the road and I'm telling you, when God gets to talking to you, you better listen. He said, you better, you better go. Do you hear an audible voice? Oh, no. But it's such a profound thought. You can't make it go away. He said, you better go apologize that guy. I went to his place of business. I went in there, and I thought, I'll go in and ask for him. He won't be there, and I'll be off the hook. <laughs> I go to the place of business for sure. He's there, and there's nobody with him. He's all by himself. <laughs> I walk in that place. I knocked on the door, and when he saw me, he was a little bit taken back that it was me. I said, "I got it. Can I talk to you just a moment?" Sure. I said, "I'll tell you that I'm sorry that I hurt you. I wouldn't hurt you for the world. I'm sorry that I hurt you." You know what I done? He started crying and he said, "You don't owe me an apology." Reason you ain't shouting the house down because there's very few in this room ever done that right there. But I'm going to tell you, when you do it, the Holy Ghost will come by and he'll load your wagon up. I got back in the truck. I thought, glory to God, I feel like preaching today. Who else do I need to go see? Surely there's somebody else I need to apologize today. This is so good. I can't stand it. God has blessed me. He said, I didn't ask you to do it, nobody else, just that one. Let me try you and see if you'll do it. You know what that is? That's instruction in righteousness. <laughs> That's constructive criticism. Two points. I've I got seven minutes till I'll give this to you in ten minutes. Read all that. This is that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, Under all good works, that's not just the preacher, that's anybody that's doing the work of God, the child of God. It's applicable to everybody that's a Christian. Now, two things quick. First, just a couple of people that received constructive criticism in the Word of God. Number one was the apostle, his name, he was Saul of Tarsus at this time. Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 8 is standing. They lay the clothes at his feet as they stoned Stephen to death. Now say, I don't know, that don't sound too bad. Let me tell you how that worked. Somebody walked up and put their hand on Stephen's head. And then somebody took a great big rock and walked up there and went, whoo, and hit Stephen right in the head with the rock. And then all them guys standing around that had rocks walked over there and all of them took their turn bashing Stephen in the head until he dies. And Saul's standing there and he's going along with it, killing, killing. He's one of them that's in the way. And Stephen says, Lord, Lord, Hold not this to their charge, this sin to their charge. And the Bible said, and he fell asleep. Now, in that same year or thereabout, not much more than a year later, if it's that long, chapter 9 of Acts, Saul has gone to the high priest. He's got a bunch of letters that's condemning Christians that he can find in Damascus. He's bloodthirsty. If he killed one, he's doing it for the cause of God. He's killed one. He's gonna kill somebody else. He's gonna bring them, put them in prison. He's gonna separate families. He's gonna cause turmoil. And he's on his way to get it done. And all of a sudden, the Holy One of Heaven shows up and speaks to this old lost man who thinks... He's a Christian, or, and not a Christian, but he thinks he's in the family of God because he's a Pharisee. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And when old Saul fell to the ground, as the great light from heaven shone around him, he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, Whom thou persecutest. Hallelujah. And you know what? Paul received it. Paul could have argued. Paul could have said, I don't believe it. I I don't hear it. You're not talking to me. Just like in here today, God's talking to you. He's talking to you. Through the word of God, the word of God. Why are you persecuting me, Paul? Saul? And he received it. And uh, he is the apostle, Brother David, to the Gentiles. He's the one that wrote us the letters that we can know how the New Testament church should operate today. Isn't that good? You know why? Because he received it. What's this, though? Somebody else that's already saved Somebody that walked side by side with Jesus. Someone that got out of the boat and began to sink. And the Christ reached down his head when he cried, Lord, save me. He reached down and got him up, pulled him back up on the water. And Brother Randy Maynard preaches. And Peter walked twice on the water. He walked out and praise God he come a walking back. And this is the one that said, everybody else will leave you, Lord, but I'll not leave you. And Jesus said before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. He said, oh, and this is the one that cut Malchus's ear off in the garden when they come after Jesus, the fisherman, wasn't much of a swordsman. He was aiming for his neck and he got his ear. This is the one that on the day of Pentecost, Three thousand people saved because this one gets up and says this. This is what the prophet Joel said. The Spirit's been poured out on you today. They had understanding. Three thousand Jews are saved that day. This is the one that took the keys and opened the door for the Gentiles. Praise God at Cornelius's house. What are you saying all that? This is Peter. And one day Peter needed some constructive criticism. And Paul said, I withstood him to his face. They were at Antioch where they were first called Christians. And Peter had a problem. He was doing real good with all the low uh, Let me use what they considered the Gentiles back then. He was doing okay with all them until the Jews showed up, and then it was like this. It was it watch this. Here's how it is. It's like the Baptist hanging with the Baptist. Until the Pentecostals show up. And then they shun one and glean with the other. Or the Pentecostals hanging with the Pentecostals. And still the Baptist boy shows up. And then they don't want nothing to do with him. They're hanging with their denomination. It's the same thing. What did he need? He received some constructive criticism. How do I know that Peter received it? Because when Peter wrote this letter out of Second Peter, here's what he said. He said, the beloved brother Paul. Are you still with me? Amen. But not everybody receives it. I'm about done. Those two people, in particular, in the New Testament, that absolutely rejected what Christ said. First from Jesus, him very self. The next from Paul, Jesus' preacher. Here's what happens. The rich young ruler, I preached on him not long ago, so I'm gonna shorten it. But here's what he said. Here's what he said. He done all the things, he done everything right. Jesus said, you still lack one thing. One thing thou lackest. Do you do everything but one thing? And that guy went away grieved. He never got it. Why? Because he wouldn't receive it. He rejected it. He rejected it. Don't criticize me. This is the very Christ. And you're lacking something. I don't like nothing. Problem. There's another one who's a king by the name of Agrippa. Acts 26, I think it's 26. Acts 26. Paul comes. He's he's imprisoned. He gets to speak before Agrippa. King Agrippa's there. And here's what Agrippa said. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You just nearly done it, Paul. You just almost done it. Here's what we'd say in modern day terms. Ain't doing it. Ain't doing it. Don't criticize me. I say thank God for the times that this book criticized and criticizes Mike McCoy. Brother Gordon said it in Sunday school this morning. He chastens those that he loves. How did I know I belonged to Louise? Because I was the one she whipped. Daddy was on the road most of the time. George and I lived next door to each other. Mama was handy with a switch. And I can't ever remember getting a, hug, a whipping that I didn't get a hugging afterwards and say, you know I love you. Yeah. Beat the stuffings out of me and then say, you know I love you. Where'd she learn that? Out of the book. I didn't think it was too constructive back in. There was a mama who was dying, an old saint of God, who was on her deathbed. Back in the day, when they had several kids, she had several children. I forget the number, but it was a, it was a large number. Of, Children compared to today, eight or nine children. She had all these children and they were all saved but Henry. And she was dying and she called, she wanted all her children to come in the room. If I remember the story right, Henry was the baby boy. She started with the eldest daughter, went all the way through the children, and each one of them, she drew them up to the bed, kissed them on the cheek, and said, Good night. I'll see you in the morning. She went through all the children. She comes to Henry. She pulls Henry down to her, kisses him on the cheek and said, Henry, goodbye. He stood there for a moment and all the children was weeping. And he starts to go out the door and he takes hold of the handle of the door and he stops in his track and he turned around and he said, Mama, I said you told all the other children Good night said how come you told me goodbye she said because you've rebelled against god all your life henry you don't want nothing to do with god and i'll never see you again said and when i die this will be the last time i see so it's goodbye for you henry it's just good night for them because weeping endures for a night but joys are coming in the morning i'll see the rest of them again on another day but i won't see you no more henry goodbye said henry stood there for a minute and said all the times that everybody had witnessed to him began to come to his mind. His heart began to swell. He said he knelt down beside the bed and he said, I don't want to die. I don't want you to die, but I certainly don't want to know that I'm never going to see you again. What must I do to be saved? And here she said, just like the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would that be you today? So you're telling me I'm lost? Constructive criticism by the word of God. If you're here and you're unsaved, you know you're unsaved. You've been in church all your life. You never come called on the Lord. You never made it personal. You never, you never, you never had a relationship. You never, you never been born into the family of God. If you've never been born in the family of God, we do that by the spirit of God. The spirit of God does this. He convicts us of our sin and he calls us to come and jesus said and i if i be lifted up i'll draw all men unto me we lift up the name of jesus the christ the only begotten of the father the 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 resurrected king and righteous judge got himself out of the grave we lift him up the spirit does his work he'll guide god in all truth he draws you. he woos you he wants you to come Call on the name of the Lord and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Play me something, friend. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the time of truth.